Uh, if you've got a Bible, why don't you grab it real quick, like, and turn to Luke chapter four. If you've grab, if you wanna, didn't bring one along and you've got a, a pew Bible, grab grab one of those. It's page eight hundred and fifty nine along the sides there. Um, Luke chapter 4, and we're going to be reading together uh, verses 1 through 14, Luke chapter 4, 1 through 14, hear the word of the Lord, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and when he... And when they were ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me. And I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it's written, he'll command his angels concerning you to guard him, guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit, to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. This is the word of the Lord. Um, I've got a toy that I love. An iPhone. Um, And for the longest time since I've had it, uh, a person that I'm very near and dear mocked me about my addiction to the iPhone until that very woman whom I'm married to got one herself. And um, there's this certain thing that kind of pulls you into technology that it's like, oh, I can't do without it. it. it brings me such joy and fulfillment and meaning and purpose to life. It tells me the weather every second whenever I refresh. There's weather. In my email, I, I'm constantly connected to the world. It's right here. If my friends ever want me, they can text me. Uh, it, it's just Facebook. It travels. You don't have to carry a computer. And there's just such, maybe for you it's not this, Okay. But for many of us, technology is like, oh, deep meaning. And to do without it 
I, I'd lose purpose. Some of you, like I said, it's not technology. For some of you, it is probably, um, it could be family, right? I, I, I don't know what I could do. What, what would happen if I was without my family? I, if, I, if I didn't have my mom, my dad, my uncles, my cousins, my, my great, great, great aunt, Bertie, you know, I, I, my life would collapse. And my, I, I don't know what I would do. If I wouldn't have my children, my children, oh my word, what would I do without my children? I find all my purpose, all my meaning in these kids. And if I would be ever without them, my world would totally implode and I'd lose all meaning. Is this any of you? You you can admit it, come on. Okay, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's your job, men. Let me drive a little closer. Where would you much rather spend time? Don't have to answer it. But often men would much rather spend all their time, their effort, their, uh, their energies just in work and getting engrossed in work. Because you know what? That's where we find meaning and purpose and life and fulfillment. It's like, oh, I've got to have this. If I'm without a job. If you know a man without a job, it's often a man who is struggling to find meaning and purpose and hope. Because he wants to provide and care. If it's not that... Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's for you having a title of Christian. Or maybe just simple church attendance. Religion. Faith. This morning, we are going to be looking at Jesus as he enters into combat. As he, as he enters into the struggle of life. But there's something that we need to know about, um, well, one, that Jesus was fully God and fully man. And he fully identifies with us in our struggles. Because all those things that I talked about, the iPhone, your family, religion, work, all those things, when they are put too high in importance, when they, 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 sh- they shadow God, if that's even possible. They become idols. They become too important. And Jesus this morning, as we see him entering into combat, as he enters into our life as we know it, we see, we can see how Jesus does it. Because I'll be honest, there's times where I am disillusioned, where I am frustrated, I am tired, I don't know how to do this, because this has happened, this has happened, this has been taken away, I feel like my meaning has been lost, I'm struggling with this, this hurts, this is, why God, why? And we see Jesus being able to identify with us. But there's something that we have got to understand before we look at how Jesus did battle. And the first thing is who he did battle with. If you look at John 8, 44, it says that Satan, Satan was a murderer from the beginning. And he has nothing to do with the truth. Because there is no truth within him. Satan himself is one who 
wants to distort the truth. He wants to take our eyes off of what really matters. He wants to downplay things, what really matters in our life, and elevate things that are, what he says, oh, focus on this. And he destroys, he kills our heart, he kills our soul. If you look at 1 Peter, uh, verse, 1 Peter 5. Are you doing it for me back there, or am I? Nobody's back there? It's all me. It's a little touchy. 1 Peter 5 says this. Let me just, maybe Leah, you can hit it for me. It's up there? Okay. There we go. It says in 1 Peter 5, to be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour If we are not watchful, if we're not watching our lives, watching our doctrine, watching how we live, Satan is going, sweet, my job is to devour you, to to get into your life and consume you with all these other things, to take your eyes from Christ and to fill it with stuff, to fill it with all these other trinkets and bright, shiny things that you think will bring meaning and hope. And this morning, I, my job is to proclaim, to tell you that whatever has entranced you, whatever has swallowed up your attention, it is the haze of illusion. Whatever has entranced you, whatever you just quickly run to, if it's technology, if it's quickly you run to family, if it's your job, if it's all these other things, if it's being known and popularity, all those things, if those are the things that entrance you, it's an illusion. And we bought into a lie. If any of these things desensitize you to the combat between the Holy Spirit and the roaring lion that is wanting to devour you, then please pay attention this morning. We are going to be able to see this morning things like they really are. And we're going to look at Christ in combat. But before we jump into uh, the Matthew 4, or sorry, the Luke 4 section, I want to do just a real quick rewind. So go back to Luke, if you still have your Bible open, look at Luke chapter 3. Because we, we see that the author of this gospel has um, brilliantly set up a picture for us. And if we read too quickly, or if we just go into the temptations, we miss something. Go back to uh, chapter 3, verse 23. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But here in this section, you see... Sorry, let's go back to verse 21. It starts off with Jesus being baptized. Following that, it gives out Jesus' complete genealogy all the way back to Adam. And then it goes into the temptations. If you look in the Gospel of Matthew, it starts off the very first thing with the genealogy. Saying, this is who Jesus is. And it only goes back as far as Abraham. But here, we have Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, we have him 
saying, listen, we're going to start off with the baptism, the baptism of Jesus. Because this is when Jesus, as all the people who are saying, I want to trust in God. I want to be on the Lord's side. I trust him with all my heart, my life. I repent of the way I have been doing it. <laughs> Baptize. Give me. I, I need new life. And Jesus is almost in this picture of the baptism. You see the commander-in-chief leaving the father's side, joining the people, identifying with them, and saying, I am doing this with you. And as he came out of the water, what happened? The doors of heaven just opened up. And the Spirit, in a bodily form, in a physical form, came down in the shape of the Spirit. And God said, this is my Son. Hear that? This is my Son, who I am well pleased with. God is saying, my Son is identifying you with you. This is my Son. And he came up out of the Jordan, full of the Spirit. Full of the Spirit. We see Jesus baptized at 30. And for me, this is, that's, that's good news. He was baptized at 30. He wasn't an old man. He was a young man baptized, full of the Spirit, and ready to enter into the battle. If you look at the average age of the men in this group, of our regular attendance, Jesus, at the age of 30, identifies with you. And in his baptism, he came out full of the Spirit. Full of the Spirit. It goes on, and we, we see the genealogy. We see this picture of all the way back to Adam, the first man. We see Adam, who was directly created by God. Mud, put together in the dust. And, oh, perfect. This is exactly, breathe life into it. So we got Adam, directly created by God. Then we have Jesus, the new Adam, who was virgin born, divinely God. Son of the Most High God. Then we have Adam, who is the head of humanity. And because of his fall, it has affected humanity for eternity. Up to us today, we are still messed up because of Adam. Him being the head of humanity, we still struggle in our relationships, our work, and everything. But then we have Jesus, who is going to be the new head of humanity. He's creating a new people. We see Adam who was tempted. And what happened? He failed. He failed miserably. And now we see Jesus who is tempted and will not fail. As we read these temptations about Jesus, much a lot is at stake here. Because if Jesus fails, if Jesus fails in these temptations, he will be no different than Adam. He will just be another Adam. And then 
if Jesus fails and he's another Adam, you and I are hopeless. We have no hope for the future. Last week we talked about hope and joy and that spilling out into love for humanity. If Jesus was not who he said he is, you and I are still without hope. And therefore we have no need for joy. We have no real lasting joy. And our love is just cheap human love. But if Jesus succeeds in this battle, if he succeeds in the temptation, he will be able to liberate the world and we will see what is real and what is an illusion. We will learn from him how to do life, how to do battle. And we will be able to escape day by day the fog of illusion. But we have to remember that Jesus is the new one, the new Adam. So let's look at Jesus in action. Let's see how how Jesus was able to do this. It starts with, in Luke 4, 1 and 2. If you got your Bible, look at it. The first thing that we see here is that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. And that, that word in the Greek, full, is not just like a, a nice little, I got a cup full. It's like this idea of brimming. It's up to the brim and it's just flowing over. He is full of the Spirit. I, and you know what? The, the strange thing is, he, I, I cannot perfectly explain to you, there's no great metaphor of how Jesus, the Son of God, who was seated at the right hand of God the Father, gave up that and put on flesh. How Jesus fully maintained his humanity and fully maintained his deity. But the beautiful thing is, it's true. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And because of that, him still being filled as a man and God, being filled with the Holy Spirit is a beautiful picture for us. A reminder that as Jesus was fully human, he can identify with us. We can't understand being fully God, obviously. But Jesus being fully human was filled with, with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the, the Father's love. And he was filled with the marvel of his mission and the hope of his own destiny that would find its fulfillment in the cross and in the resurrection. And as humans, as a human with us, in the trenches with us, the same power, the same power that we see In verse uh, 14, the same power of the Spirit is available to us. Second, he had 40 days of solitude. I want you to think about that. Most of us struggle with an hour of solitude. Jesus, for 40 days, was without family, without friends, 
obviously without technology, but for our purposes, think. 40 days without technology, there was, he brought no books, he didn't bring anything to study. He was 40 days of solitude. 40 days. Night and day, night and day. 40 days and 40 nights of nothing but being alone with his father. Here's here's the thing, and I struggle with this even as a professional Christian, a pastor. I struggle with the idea that preparation for ministry, true preparation for ministry, and that's, that's even you. Because your life outside of here, you are called to be ministers of the gospel wherever you go. Preparation for ministry demands times of significant solitude. To do real ministry, to hear from God, to detox from all the clutter of our life. You know what I'm talking about. You're all, sometimes your mind, your mind right now is going, that, that's impossible. You have no clue about all the work that I've got to do, all this kind of, I've got a cookout going, I've got this going, I've got all this. The detox from all of that so that you can hear God. We can't simply maintain a, a radical God-centeredness under a barrage of unbroken human interaction. You're wondering why you can't hear God, see Him work in your life or in the lives of others. You're wondering about direction. Maybe it's because you have this barrage of humanity just on you all the time, and that's all you hear. It's just back and forth. Noise. Back and forth. And you get such tunnel vision. But Jesus, before He started His ministry, was 40 days in solitude. And I believe what we can bring to humanity has got to be discovered in those times, those sweet times of solitude. So am I asking you for 40 days to go and quit your job, leave your wife and your kids? No. But we have got to ask, do we have time in our lives where you, you're not taking the iPhone, you're not taking a book, or you're not taking something to fill your mind so that you can just hear the sweet voice of God. On top of that, we see in here that for 40 days, 40 days, Jesus fasted. Medically, that's nearly impossible. So why did the perfect Son of God Go without food. What was the purpose? What was the picture that is, trying, that, that is communicated to us today? I believe it's to demonstrate that he was not enslaved by anything but God. He wasn't enslaved by food. He wasn't enslaved by his need for people or technology. He was enthralled with his time with the Father. He did without. 
He, he was mastered by a superior appetite for God and God alone. If you look at John 4, see if it does it for me. There we go. John 4 says this. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And to accomplish his work. That's what Jesus fills himself with. I don't need food. I don't need these things. But man, my food is to, to do the will of God. That is what feeds me and sustains me and moves me. As I'm filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, man, the thing that sustains me is God. And God alone. I have a hunger for nothing else but God. I just desire to be filled with God. And that's what fasting is. As we remove those those things that fill us, temporary things, true fasting is being filled with what matters. God. And this is what I really think is what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. To be so full of God and His purpose. That it just overflows into humanity. Jesus was so full of God that it flowed out to two years later. He found himself on a cross at Calvary, bleeding out for me. Bleeding out for you. Taking the wrath of God so that I would not. Giving me hope. When I am hopeless, he was so full of God and his purpose. They said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And then we see in verse 2 that he was filled with 40 days of combat. It wasn't at the very end. You know, when I, when I first read this and think about Sunday school, at the very end, when Jesus was at his, at his hungriest, Satan came. But if you look carefully at this, you see for 40 days being tempted by the devil. So from day one, when Jesus starts, you know, on his good initiative, we all have those good initiatives, you know, weight loss, need to do it. You start off really strong. And so Satan's on his day one going, oh, yeah, I'm there. I'm going to distract you. I'm going to do whatever I can. All the way to the 40th day, Satan is saying, I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going to present you all these great options. Look, oh, what about this? What about this? Jesus, this was a critical moment. Jesus being tested. And Satan was saying, listen, from day one through day 40, I'm going to be there and tempt him and tempt him and tempt him and distract him, try to distract him. And the same is true with us. The same is true with us. Because you see, in, in, in these 40 days, Jesus was defending himself by the power of the Spirit against the fiery darts of self-pity, of hunger, 
of exhaustion, the temptation to gripe about God. I had a good God sitting at your right hand, ah, ruling with you, enjoying the fullness of God. It was a Trinitarian party. I enjoyed it. But now I am here in flesh, sweating, fasting for 40 days. And God, I am being attacked personally by the devil. I understand why the Israelites griped and complained. But Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, said no. And we need to know this. When you open yourself up to the fullness of God's Spirit, when we say, God, my food is to do your will and to accomplish your purposes. God, that is what, that is what I am here to do as your child. I am disciplined. I am, I am in the Word. I am listening. I am serving. I am, I am giving of my time, my talent, my, my time, my talent, my treasures for the sake of your kingdom. I am disciplined in those things. When we are denying our, our desires and just saying, God, take these things away, I'll tell you what. When you resolve yourself to the liberating power and work of the gospel, you too will be attacked. That is when you are dangerous. That is when Jesus was at his most critical point. Satan could de- 